BHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, and welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic, from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been around my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people who Who are a product of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events, locales, or persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Kate. That, folks, obviously, is my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Kate Murray, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, John Carey, John Montgomery, Bill Murray, and me, your host, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. Don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. BHH Productions KB Cabaret is brought to you this week by our sponsor, Slow 'em Down Spray In New Air Freshener Fragrance. Slow 'em Down and keep your job intact. This week, KB Cabaret is pleased to welcome to the airwaves our special musical guest, Patricia Silverberg. Welcome to our time to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee, soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. And now KB Cabaret presents Advice with Granny Ada, Parlor City's cherished advice columnist. Dear Granny Ada, my partner Brenda and I have been together for over 10 years, and we love each other very much. Now that we have the same rights as everyone in this country, we are officially married. We have so much love to give and are seriously looking into adoption. We have discussed in vitro fertilization, but feel that adopting a child already born would be more fulfilling. Unfortunately, we have heard some negative thoughts concerning gay adoption. The closed-minded attitude has got to stop. Please advise how to deal with this archaic negativity. Signed, and baby makes three. Dear Baby Mama, how delightful. I always feel adoption is a beautiful altruistic act. Helping little babies find a good and decent home is a blessing for the little darlings. We need more loving people to offer their hearts and their homes for children in distress. Having said this, I feel having two mamas or two papas is just plain confusing, even if they do have big love in their hearts. Now before you get your panties in a bunch... Let me say, I have nothing against same-sex marriage, 
If you want to do uh, whatever it is you do, that's your business. However, just think how confusing for a little one. In the public school systems alone, they'll be introduced to Mother's Day, Father's Day, Parent-Teacher's Day, and Dance with Daddy Day. In health class, they'll be learning all about family planning. In science class, they'll be learning about the different mommy-daddy parts. Children are little animals. They make fun of the odd man out. My advice, dear, is to be happy together. Don't hold hands in public, and in your case, uh, two is more than enough. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a nice day. Granny Ada And now, an additional reader commentary for Granny Ada. Dear Granny Ada, just a comment on some of your advice columns. I feel you are a closed-minded old relic from the past. Your bigoted ways and archaic attitude are from the days of the Salem witch hunts and Jim Crow. Hopefully, you will be taken off the air because of your limited outlook on today's new and opened ways. Fed up, listener. Dear Fed Up, How delightful. You mention I'm a relic of the past and gone are the days of witch hunts and Jim Crow. Might I remind you, dear, there are plenty of people still believing in paranormal activity and the radical right wing wanting to bring back pre-civil rights laws? And what about the laws enacted in Arizona, the walls being put up in Texas, and racial profiling in our country? I hold the conversation open, dear. Crawling under the rocks and pretending certain situations do not exist are a terrible mistake. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a nice day. Granny Ada Over here, Beulah, hosting the show. Come on over. Ladies and gentlemen, Parlor City chef extraordinaire, Beulah Deschamps. Oh, my honey. Thank you, honey. It is nice to be back. How is the spa? Heavenly. I needed that getaway. You know, the trip's done wonders for my mindset. Glad to hear it. Leon has been a dear all along. I was such a fool. Do you know I suspected him of Ian, his secretary? I had no idea. Oh, yes. Well, his convincing and the mindfulness I have learned at the spa's therapy sessions have set me straight. I cannot tell you, Beulah, what a relief that is. Why, yes, dear. That is why I now can focus on the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Today I shall show you how to make old-fashioned brandied pumpkin pie. This is a lovely pie that has been handed down from my generation to generation now I will hand this recipe down to you and your lovely audience. Oh, I can't wait. Now, I brought you your apron, dear, and a special family heirloom. Oh, Beulah, how beautiful. 
Leon bought this crystal decanter for our anniversary 35 years ago, and we only take it out for special occasions such as this. Well, I am honored. Mm. Love, love, love brandy. Do you know brandy was discarded as an inferior product until the 15th century, since it was distilled from the pumice or mash of grapes and other fruit? <laughs> Lucky for us. People have come to their senses. Um, Beulah. Uh, I know, I know, dear. You can't drink while you're doing your little show. That's why I only brought one glass. Oh. Mm. oh. Shame, though. Oh, let's wash up, dear, and make some pie. I brought pastry crust I made from home. This is made with shortening, as I feel shortening makes the crust nice and flaky. We'll have the recipe for the crust for you on our website. Yes, indeedy. I already gave the recipe to your webmaster. Warm up the oven to 400 degrees and get out the pumpkin. Okay, great. So, the pumpkin is in this can here? Yes, dear. I usually do not take the canned goods over fresh, but to make a fresh pumpkin, clean out the pulp, carve out the flesh, and boil it down to soften it is a pain in the you-know-what. Why, when we can easily go out and just buy a 100% pumpkin in a can already prepared. I totally agree. <laughs> One cup is all we need. Of the pumpkin and uh, the brandy. Uh one cup of brandy in the pie? Oh, don't be silly, dear. That's for me. <laughs> you only need a quarter cup in the pie. <laughs> oh. oh. I brought the eggs, brown sugar, spices, cream. Let's see here. Mm. 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 Where's my list? Oh, ha-ha, here it is. Oh, dear, if I didn't bring my gla my glasses. Uh, honey, dear, would, could you read this for me, please? Sure, Beulah. Let's see. Oh, boss baby, you bad, bad boy. Baby, you happen to see my stockings in the office from the other night. I can't seem to find them. Uh, I don't think this is the list you were looking for. Hmm. Um... Beulah? Mindfulness. Um, oh, this meditation stuff is a godsend. Um, uh, um, um, boys, yeah, yeah, take her home. Um, I'll just um, tear up this little um, piece of paper um, here. Um, um, um. Well, folks, once again, Beulah has left us on a highly meditative note. I'd like to thank Beulah Deschamps for sharing her delicious recipe with us. And to be fair, we'll post the complete recipe of this old-fashioned brandied pumpkin pie on our website, kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T dot com. I would like to welcome Patricia Silverberg to our show this week. Patricia has been gracious enough to grant us a phone interview all the way from Arizona. 
where that's where she lives. Uh, Patricia, welcome to our show. Your music seems to have a deep, rich soul type of um, sound to it. Also has connections to feelings of your own life, I believe. This, uh, the songs that we're going to be hearing today are all from your 2012 album, Don't Look Back. Tell me a little bit about your musical background. I began playing guitar when I was about three or four or five. I'm not exactly sure. My older brother got a guitar and he didn't want to play it. So I started picking it up and just making noise with it. And eventually took his little music books and matched up the notes with the strings and learned that way. Um, and then we had a little so-called garage band, but we lived in New York City, so we didn't actually have a garage. <laughs> so we just practiced in our bedroom, and I got to play the drums. So it was my sister, my brother, and myself. And then um, I started playing more guitar, and in high school um, we had formal lessons, and I learned guitar theory, um, you know, different... Uh, my teacher was classically trained. We learned, you know, um, I already knew how to read basic music because I was also in school bands too, um, playing drums. But um, I learned more about chord theory and chord structure and finger picking and um, more formal um, education. And then my undergrad was in theater, so I took uh, voice with um, people who worked on Broadway. My first voice teacher was the first female conductor on Broadway. She did, I think, Chicago and um, Camelot and some other shows. And then I studied at HB Studios, also in New York City, with Elizabeth Hodes. Um, there's a lot of cabaret acts. You know, continued with guitar, and then I moved out here really wasn't doing much with it, and then just started doing open mics, and, um, you know, everything just started coming together. I was walking around my guitar one day, and someone asked me to do some gigs, and I did, and it just took off from there, and now I'm studying classical, um, I'm studying classical piano, um, so it's enforcing even more of my theory and stuff, because, yeah, I can actually, as opposed to a lot of musicians here, I... Compose music more than just doing three chord songs. Um, if you listen to my songs, I use a lot of different chord variations, like sevenths and suspendeds and alternate bases. Um, you know, it really takes the time to craft my music. So, the song that we are going to be hearing always there, um, what is this about? What inspired you? Always there is a song I actually wrote when I was much younger. Um, I think I just finished undergrad school, and I was learning classical guitar. Oh, my, my teacher in high school taught us classical guitar. And um, it had a very intricate guitar pick. Because if you listen to it, it only has three chords. But what I had done with it was make it really fancy. But in order to make that more of a pop-type song or a folk song, I had to cut that down, put it in a traditional time. Um, and then, but I kept the, the chorus. Um, has unusual uh, unusual chord progression in it. And it's just about someone, you know, who I really loved and they left your life and just trying to be positive about it. And Yeah, it's actually one of the simpler songs I've written. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, Barry, uh, you going to the game? No, I can't this week. Why? You you love the Mets. I know, but not this week. Why? Marilyn and me, we're going to the city. Yeah? Uh, what's in the city? Diamonds. Diamonds? Yeah, diamonds. Marilyn and me, we're getting engaged. What? You and Marilyn? Yeah, can you believe it? You and Marilyn? Yeah. You've only been sort of dating for less than three months. So? Three months, Barry... Isn't she still living with that guy? 
He's moving out at the end of the month, and I told you, he's your gay cousin. It's a one-bedroom. So? What's your point? My, my point is... Oh, never mind. I, I'm in love, Davis. She's the one. Why? Well, I don't know why. It's just... Well, I, I feel it in my gut. Your gut. Could be the liverwurst you had for lunch. Funny. You're only asking her to marry you because for the past 20 years, she's the only one who went out with you for more than a week. That's not true. What about Doris? The last time you saw her was to post bail. Suzanne? She was always too drunk to realize that you weren't even next to her. Well, Marilyn is different. No, she's not. You've been giving her money since you met. Just helping out. She doesn't like it when you call or text. She's not into an electronic leash. She's always with other guys. Family members. They're close. Can't, can't you just date? She's an old-fashioned girl. She believes in marriage before sex. So she won't sleep with you? Not until we get hitched. She's 55 years old. I told you, she has her morals. So you're getting the ring? Yep. Her son says it has to be at least a carrot. Her son, huh? Yeah, that was the condition. The, the condition for what? For his permission. Oh, you, you had to ask for his permission to marry his mother? That's right. That's, um, interesting. What do you mean? Well, I thought they weren't speaking. Well, that's in the past. I see. What? Is he working? He's waiting for the right job to open up. The right job? Management. Hasn't he been unemployed for seven years? You can't rush these things. But his mother needs a whole carrot. Round, brilliant cut in at least a VS1 or near-flawless condition. What? What are you talking about? I don't know. That's what he said. She doesn't deserve any less. Until you bailed her out, she lived at the Y. Do you know how much these rings cost? He told me to bring my checkbook. Just don't cash your pension. Who told you? What? That I cashed my pension. Oh my god, are you nuts? A lady has needs. I'm going. To the game? Uh, yeah. I hope they go extra innings. Why? Well, because maybe, just maybe, I'll forget this conversation. I don't get it. You never will, Barry. You never will. Will Linda Sung finally get that management position he's been waiting over seven years for? Will Barry hire Linda's son to micromanage his finances? Or will Linda and her son fly on an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii after selling the near-flawless, brilliant-cut diamond? Stay tuned next week, when Barry still does not have a clue. Okay, my first on-the-spot GPS. This should help me get my errands done faster since I can't find my way in this new neighborhood. Hmm, set up. What voice would you like? Let's see, Irish? French? <laughs> Jewish mother? That sounds rich. <laughs> and about right. Let's try it. Press JM and enter. Good afternoon and welcome to On The Spot GPS. So you should want me to take you somewhere or what? Good afternoon. 
Um, I just moved here last week, and I need to go food shopping. Well, that's fine, dear. Giant Mart. Calculating. Thank you. Are you ready? What? Do you think I should hurry with such a thing? Are you Meshugana? Sorry, it's just not, I'm pressed for time. Larry's bringing home some of his colleagues tonight, and I have to make dinner for eight people. Oi, shopping for eight. Do you know you can get the same meat for 20% cheaper at Smart Shoppers Discount Mart by the outlet shops, about five miles over? Really? Well, I should try to save money. We did spend a lot on the house closing. Okay, recalculate and take me to Smart Shoppers Discount Mart. I would do the same. Recalculating. Thank you. No problem. What's a GPS for? Go for five miles straight until you should find the schlock of a house that should have been torn down ten years ago. But enough with my spiel. So you just moved in and your man is bringing home some colleagues for dinner? Yeah, I just found out about it today. What a schmuck. Did he tell you this before? No, but, but I can handle it. Handle it, schmandle it. If you should need, I have some chicken soup with matzo balls in the freezer. Oh, uh, well, really? I, I mean, I, I don't want to put you to any trouble. Ah, trouble schmubble. If it's a problem, dear, I'd let you know. You want the soup or not? Yes. Yes, that would be awesome. But you're a GPS. How could it be delivered? Oh, simple. We're a star service. So I will connect you with the Yiddish Yenta Network and have one of the ladies deliver for you. So what time is this dinner? Six. Oh, then we should get going. In 600 yards, take a left by the yellow house that should have had the fence taken down two years ago. Such a nice house, but left for dead. Turn by this house? Eh, they should be so lucky to own a house as nice as this. This house was owned by two sisters, one who was a veterinarian but is now retired. No, the house you turn left at, in now 200 yards, is owned by the Schmendrick, who's sitting on his tuchus all day long. But that is none of my business. Okay. Now go straight for one block and make a right at the red brick house with the schmutz on the steps. Wait, you're just making me go back to my house. Naturally, I should do this. Why? I need to go shopping. Listen, my dear. When you get to be as old as I am, and may you be so lucky... You should listen to my advice. You have a whole mishpoche coming over in a few hours, and you want me to schlep this car for you to go grocery shopping. That's Mishugana. Now be a good girl and go home and stop quetching. A Yiddish yenta, Riva, has notified the on-the-spot network that she is bringing the matzah soup and the brisket that she found in her freezer. They should cook up nicely for you. We'll add some steamed green beans, and Riva will whip up some latkes and ragulas in no time. I can't believe you're doing this for uh, me. What do I have to do with my time? Let's not get all schmaltzy, dear. So you should think of me as your GPS boobala. Oh, thank you, GPS boobala. Mazel tov. One day you too should do a mitzvah for other poor shiksas in need. And thank you for using on-the-spot GPS by the makers of on-the-spot personal trainers and on-the-spot life coach. Have a nice day. You Should Know is a special song that I believe you entered for a concert. They gave you the title. 
But there's much more meaning to this. I understand there is a deeper connection to the song than just the title. How did you make this work for you? Well, that grew out of a couple of there are different sources. We have this event here in Phoenix um, called the Arizona Songwriting Challenge. And um, you're giving a title and you're given 30 days to write a song. And so the obvious thing that came to me was, hey, this is going to be a love song. And everyone's going to write a love song. But I wanted it to be a little different than be real, um, not just, hey, I love you. I was thinking back to when I was in Memphis at uh, a music conference, and I shared a room with a gal from L.A. We just randomly knew each other from a listserv, and we just hit it off, and we were talking about the bullying in the music industry, and there's a lot of it, especially at that point in time when I was doing all the paid gigs. A lot of people talk about you behind their backs, and there's a lot of backstabbing, and there's a lot of nonsense. So we were talking about that, so I was thinking about this bullying theme and being there for someone. But uh, my friend and I were our friends, we're very close friends still. But in order to make it a little bit more commercial, I had to make it a little bit more like romantic love. So I took that angle to it. So it is about being there for somebody, but it's being there for someone who is really distressed and being bullied. And I just played it at a benefit um, for one of our local musicians who just, um, it was about a month before he passed away, and talking about pulling on people's heartstrings, I meant to sing it as, hey, you know, we care about you, what's going on in your life, you're unfortunately, he had a um, series of medical issues, including um, strokes and such, and he was fading away, and it was meant to be like a love song, and everyone in the house started crying, and then I went out to the bathroom later, and, and everyone, like, wouldn't talk to me, and they were like, this was not a song I ever heard. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Feel you crying in the dark All it hurts in blue world has torn you apart You should know that I love you You should know how much I care In the dark I'm there I hold you to chase away those nightmares They make you shake Rejection Makes you wretch Threats make you think You won't live one more day That I love you You should know how much I care In the dark I'm there I hold you to chase away Those nightmares 
my heart into your soul Take my breath into your lungs Take my blood into your veins Told me you and I were me You should know that I love you You should know how much I care In the dark I'm there I hold you to chase away those nightmares You should know that I love you You should know how much I care And you know I'm the one to mend those tales Good afternoon. Welcome to Faster Food Freddy's. What would you like, ma'am? I'll have the number four. Freddy's medium cheeseburger with fries, gravy, and a medium fizzy cola? That's the one. Would you like to go large for only 50 cents more? Go large? Yes, ma'am. We can make your entire order larger for only 50 cents more. That sounds like a good deal. Yeah, I guess so. Excuse me, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's not a bargain at all. Huh? Huh? I mean, if you really think about it, 50 cents to make your order bigger is really a bad deal. It's a great deal. Yeah, I thought it was. Look, let me run some numbers by you. Say you pay the 50 cents, then what do you get? 420 more calories. That'll take one full hour of heavy aerobics just to burn off. Not to mention, because you upsized, your sodium has gone from an already high 1,400 milligrams to 1,695. And your carb sugar intake has shot up from 148 grams to 191.2. Add the numbers up and you're consuming 1,500 calories just for this lunch, which is the entire day calorie intake for a sedentary 140-pound, 51-year-old female. Oh, Oh, my. Just think, if you keep upsizing and adding more sodium, carbs, and calories to your diet, you'll be paying $120 a year for chiropractors, $1,080 for blood pressure medication, $1,200 1200 to $3,600 a month for insulin shots. $90,000 for complete knee and hip replacements. $2,400 for the psychologist treating your depression. And $600 for a new wardrobe. Total that up, and that $0.50 cents just cost you $97,800. I think I'm going to faint. That does it. I quit. Yes, sirree, folks. The value of a deal can be misleading. The next time you're told to go large for only 50 cents more, power walk on that $1,000 treadmill. Believe me, it'll be a lot cheaper if you do. We present The Triangle, a short story by Bree Harvey. Sam left the house in a hurry. She knew he was on the prowl. That's just the way it was lately. The indifference, the sneaky behavior, the late nights, excuses, all a bunch of excuses. Lola knew something was going on. Sam's behavior was not normal. She was trying to think back on when this all started. Married only a year, she and her husband took Sam in. He had been living on the streets. 
looking like he needed help, a place to stay, and they were the suckers who gave it. At first, the trust was cautious. All their boundaries were up, and all were uneasy to let their guard down. Sam, however, started to thaw. He used to sit far from her, but slowly, so slowly, Lola felt his warmth. Her husband, David, noticed the change, even said something about it. No big deal, though. Why should it be? When Dave left for work every day, Sam was there. He pretended not to notice Lola. She knew he was watching every move she made, in the kitchen, the den, even the running shower. She could feel him watching. Then it happened. Never in her wildest dream did she think their relationship would change. In just two short months, she caught them, caught the two of them in bed. Dave in bed with Sam, touching each other entwined in each other's arms. Funny, though, she didn't feel jealous. Something about her husband's closeness with Sam felt organic, you know, almost inviting. So Lola hesitantly did what she never thought she would do. She got into bed with them. Their relationship was beyond magical. She loved their touches, their close attachment. Somehow her world, as she knew it, had changed. No one ever told her this is how love was going to feel. She loved her husband and Sam. She felt it was natural to lay in bed with both, as it was to breathe air. Lola was caught off guard with Sam's deception. He seemed to turn darker, secretive almost. She cried in her husband's arms. Where was he? What was he up to? Did Sam not love them any more? Somehow just the two of them was not enough. Embracing her husband in bed was nice, but not satisfying. They both missed Sam's warmth, his tender touches, his gentle kisses. Sam was restless, eating often. Lola wondered if he had gotten himself in some sort of trouble. Her husband tried to calm him, pressing his body against his, rubbing his back, whispering in his ears, asking if anything was wrong but to no avail. Sam did not answer. In fact, he got out of Dave's embrace and practically boxed him. Odd. The following month, Sam did not go out much. He kept wandering off to the other side of the apartment as if he did not want to be with Lola and Dave. He was impatient, moody, eating most of the day. Lola was concerned for Sam's health. She told Dave about her worries, and he agreed. This excessive weight gain must be due to depression. When they were in bed together, Sam felt tense against their bodies. He kept moving away from their embrace and their loving kisses. Lola cried silently as Sam finally fell asleep in Dave's arms. That Saturday, Sam stayed in bed. Lola made breakfast for him in the kitchen, but he did not come out. Dave took the breakfast into the bedroom, and Sam refused to eat. The same with lunch. Finally, dinner came around, and Lola tried again. She went into the bedroom silently. 
There she stood, frozen, by the edge of the soaked bed. Lola smiled, understanding. It all made sense. The two months of strange behavior, late nights, the indifference, all made sense. Sam tiredly lay on the bed, looking at Lola with proud and loving eyes. Sam never was a he. Sam was a she all along, and now a proud mother, displaying her four new baby kittens lying by her side. Detours in life, how we perceive others and ourselves. One should never take situations for granted. Just when you think you know what it's all about, life has a way of swiftly kicking you in the rump. The cousin. Alice, your cousin's coming in a minute. Aren't you ready yet? God, no. I don't know what to wear. You've been upstairs for two hours. You could have sewn a new outfit by now. Howard, you don't know the pressure I'm under. What pressure? She's just coming over for coffee. Marta's not just coming over for coffee. She's here to show me up. Oh, come on. I'm serious. You look great. Do you mean great as in wife great? Or great, she looks younger and prettier than her cousin great. Why the competition? You just look great. Just like she probably looks great. You take that back. What? You have no idea what I've had to put up with for these past 30 years. You two hardly ever see each other. What can be so terrible? I don't have time for this. Did you see my earrings? Which ones? The pearl ones. The dangly ones with the aquamarine stones on either side? Yes, the ones you bought me for Mother's Day two years ago. You're wearing them. (laughs) You're a funny man. I thought so. Your days are numbered now. Just shows how pent up you are. I know. I know, but the Dolly Parton look-alike is coming over, and I look like... like... this. Beautiful. Aw, thanks, Howard. You're wonderful. Just truthful. Look, hon, you don't know the hell my parents have made me go through all these years. You told me some of it, I guess. Well, I never told you how this whole inferiority thing with me started. When she danced with your father? Oh, I did tell you. Yeah. I was six years old, first time in Hungary, celebrating New Year's Eve with my entire extended family. I was the only child, you know, and and being among all those wonderful different people was so special to me. Mommy, Daddy doesn't want to dance with me. Honey, you know Daddy doesn't like to dance. But he's been dancing with Marta all night. Oh dear, your father is just being nice to her. Are you sure it's not because she has big boobs? Alice, that's not nice to speak that way about your cousin. And I've had to live with her boobs ever since. You're exaggerating. And the rest of the time we've been together, Mother keeps picking on me. I know, I know. Like when we were at Uncle Stephen's wedding a few years ago. I remember. What the hell are you wearing? It's a sequin Ralph Lauren gown. Do you like it? 
Alice, you look like a sausage. I think you look beautiful. It should be a size bigger. How do you ever fit in it? Look at Marta. Woo-hoo. Marta looks like a hussy in that low-cut top and short skirt. Is she wearing underwear? Who cares? She's so thin. Look how thin she is, dear. Alice, you have such a pretty face. If you lost 60 pounds, Martha wouldn't be as attractive as you. What are you talking about? Martha looks great. She's coming here to show me up again. You realize it's your parents doing, not Martha's. Oh, God. She's here. Martha, so nice to see you. You, you look great. Come in. Thanks. Alice. Martha. You're blonde. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just had it done last week. Like it? Mm, it'll take a little getting used to. Yeah. Well, uh, you look great. Love the outfit. <laughs> Thanks. The skirt was a size three. A little big, but easy to take in. But the top had to be ordered separately. You know how hard it is to fit my top. Can I get you some coffee? Melons or something? Um, a vodka martini would be nice. Straight up. Listen, Alice, I don't want to hold you up too long. I'll get straight to the point. I came here to ask you something. Are you okay? No, Alice, that's why I'm here. I've been having some financial problems, and I need $5,000. $5,000? Look, I'll pay you back with interest if you like. $5,000? I know it's a lot, but I wouldn't ask you if it wasn't important. I have been on a losing streak lately with the divorce and all. You're so lucky, Alice, to have the life you have. Well, you know, I... I've always envied you, Alice, having loving parents, education, a great husband and daughter. You always had your head on straight. Here you are, one vodka martini. Thanks. Listen, I've got to go. I, I have so much to do before driving back home tonight. Don't get up. You think about it, Alice. If you can't, I'll understand. Love you guys. What was that about? It was about a reality check. But, Howard, it's going to cost us $5,000. And now, KB Cabaret presents The D Word by John Montgomery. Good morning, Mrs. Penske. Welcome to the Cadaver City Funeral Home. Do come in. Can I get you anything? No. I haven't felt like eating or drinking since my husband died. Now, Mrs. Penske, here at Cadaver City, we don't use that word. What, what word? The D word. We prefer to say that Mr. Penske has hitched a ride on the celestial meat wagon. Meat wagon? What are you talking about? Well, we like to speak of our clients with a bit more eloquence. Your husband has... Popped his clogs. He's picking turnips with a stepladder. He's deceased, demised, departed, and defunct. But he's dead. Why can't you just say that? Mrs. Penske, please lower your voice or you'll wake the bucket kickers. You mean the dead people? Madam, if you continue to use inappropriate language, I'll have to ask you to leave. Show some respect for the biters of the dust, the counters of the worms, and the cashers of the chips. Are you trying to say that Gerald has moved on to the wrong side of the grass? Precisely! Now you're getting it? Mr. Penske has bought the farm. Right now, as we speak, 
He's lying in the horizontal Hilton. Until the end of time, he'll be basting the formaldehyde turkey. Oh, I am so relieved. Will he be joining Dr. Kevorkian's trophy case? Of course! And not only that, he'll be handing in his dinner pail, going into the fertilizer business, and wearing the pine overcoat. And he's finally kicked the oxygen habit? Absolutely! We'll leave him now to cross the Great Divide, hop on his last rattler, and check into Chateau Eternity. Well, Gerald always had one foot in the grave, and now the other foot has finally joined him. Mrs. Penske, have you done any thinking about your own voyage to the wooden Waldorf? Well, this is somewhat awkward. I've been seeing another undertaker. He's promised to take me to sleep with the fishes at the Motel Deep Six. What? This is an outrage. Who is it? He's a famous embalmer, Barack Embalmer. Be gone, madam. May you immediately assume room temperature and push up daisies in Adios Park. Well, Patricia, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. We will be closing with your final song um, from your 2012 album, Don't Look Back, called Hear My Song. Uh, this tells a lot about who you are as a quiet individual and a person who has something to say. I'm pretty quiet overall. very much an introvert. And then um, I find that a lot of times people simply don't listen to what I do say. And when I tend to talk, I usually have something important to say. Um, I'm not the kind of person that just jabbers for the sake of filling space. In this particular song, um, it's written about some musician that I was working with at the time, which is was kind of the ones I was talking about that do the bullying and such. Um, and I just really wanted them to hear me. And um, so I came up with this song, and it's about being real with somebody. If you're in any kind of relationship, I was, you know, this is just being at work or um, a friendship, working with your agent. Yeah, I had a terrible agent at the time. And then um, being hurt, be treated realistically. Um, a lot of times if you have a disagreement with a person, their ego gets in the way. And then they, they're not really presenting who they are. Um, sort of lines in there, like, show me your heart, show me your spirit. You know, if you're being true, I'll know it. And if you're just, you know, covering up to, for whatever reason, yeah, I'm going to know it too. And then I want to be hurt. I want to be treated like an individual. Um, I want to be treated with respect. Yeah, it's a song about being heard and understood. Uh, even if you know, someone doesn't agree with you, it's at least recognizing that you have a point of view. Let's listen to Hear My Song. Show me New England 
That's all for today's show of KB Cabaret. Starring Kate Murray, Judy McMahon, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, John Carey, John Montgomery, Bill Murray, and me, Bree Harvey. Original skits by Bree Harvey, Kate and Bill Murray, Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, John Carey, and John Montgomery. Original music by Bree Harvey. Musical arrangements by Christina Donella. Sound engineer and editor, Charles Berman. We had a grand old time here at Parlor City with our friends here and where you are. Next week, we will start our communicating all over again with crazy antics, short stories, skits, songs, and, if we get Beulah up, her recipes. Please visit our website at kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T dot com to find her recipes, our sponsors, and contest entry rules for poetry and short stories. Why should we be the only ones who write? That's right. We want to hear from you and your talented ways. When we choose the pieces you have written, read it on air as well as print it on our website. The hardworking, fun-loving folks here at Parlor City say there are no goodbyes, only farewells. And above all, come and visit next week, same time, same station, at KB Cabaret. Thank you for coming, coming to stay a while. Thank you for coming to spend some time. Love to have you and share our parlor city. Come back again now to KB Cabaret.